Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Welcome to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Okay, I wanted a different perspective from a guy who's independent, and uh, of course we uh, want that. I've given orders to my uh, staff. I don't want any partisans on the program to analyze the election because it's a waste of your time. So I turn on Fox News, and all I hear on Fox News, 100% of the time, as far as guests are concerned, are Trump people, Republicans. And I turn on MSNBC, and it's 100% Biden people. Now, CNN sneaks in one or two, but I, it's so boring. I, I want independent people. So we uh, follow a website called Tangle News, readtangle.com. You can get it. Independent. Um, we don't agree with them a lot of times, but uh, that's okay. They're coming at it from a point of view of non-ideology. And Isaac Saul is the founder and CEO, joins us now from Philadelphia. Okay, first of all, on my run-up to this, because I did an interview with you, and you fact-checked me on the interview, which is fine. Some of your fact-checking was fallacious. It was wrong. But that's okay. And so I know you try your hardest. Your staff isn't as good as mine. That's all. Um, and don't try to poach my people. But anyway, um, in the run-up to this segment, what I've reported on Trump and Biden, do you have a beef with any of it? No, I mean, I, I think uh, I think you're 100 percent right that Nikki Haley's toast. I don't really understand why she's still in the race unless she doesn't want Donald Trump to be in the White House. Uh, you made a great point that she gets to keep all this money and do what she wishes with it from a political perspective going forward. So maybe she's got some plans we don't know about yet, whether it's just 2028 or supporting some other PACs or candidates who have big Senate races coming up. But it is peculiar that she's hanging around. I don't think she has any chance. 
I do think there are some blaring warning signs for Donald Trump based on some of the results we're seeing, which you touched on a little bit. You know, I think it is a problem for him that 40% of South Carolinians uh, are voting for Nikki Haley in the Republican primary, even though some independents participate in that primary. So she should drop out, you know, in any traditional year. I don't think there's much left for her to do. I don't think she has any reasonable path. But she's sticking around, which raises a lot of questions that I think are uh, curious, I would say. Now, one of the reasons that she got 40 percent is as a hometown gal. I'm governor of the state. Uh, the the uh, Haley machine still in place. I'm not making an excuse for it. But if you win by 20 in a former governor's state, that's a pretty impressive win, I think. I mean, for me, I was looking at if it dipped below that to 15 or 12, then I would go, ooh. Next question is, Nikki Haley's voters, Republicans mostly, do you believe that they'll cross over to Trump or will they not vote? They're not going to vote for Biden. Only 3%, you see, of Republicans support Biden. So they either stay home or vote for Trump. Do you think there'll be a big stay home component in November? I, I predicted, you know, a couple of years ago that I thought this election cycle, we would see the largest share of votes since Ross Perot, who got around 8%, go to an independent or third party candidate. And that was before we ended up with Trump and Biden as the two primary candidates in the race, which is what we're going to get. And so I feel pretty confident about that prediction. I don't know you know, it could be RFK Jr. It could be Nikki Haley. Joe Manchin sounds like no, he's we'll going to stay Nikki at home. We'll be I Haley don't think Haley. it will be. No, she wants but, to run again in 28. So she's not going to commit suicide now. But uh, Robert Kennedy will be on the ballot. I mean, his organization will get him on the ballot. It looks like a 12 percenter to me. Um, you know, he doesn't have any momentum. Uh, and it looks like he takes more from Biden than Trump. Is that your analysis? Yeah, I think I think he takes more from Biden than Trump. I think by virtue of his last name, his previous associations with the Democratic Party, the fact that most of his policy agenda is actually quite progressive. I mean, I think the things that he will say and do that resonates with conservative voters or Trump voters will be on vaccines. It'll be about the deep state. It'll be about, you know, the, the way the government has overstepped in certain areas over the last few years. It'll be about the border. All that stuff will resonate with conservative voters. But, you know, he's a climate change guy. He cares a lot about diversity and equity stuff you talked about at the top of the show. He is somebody who I think fundamentally is more progressive and, and liberal than they are conservative. So if he stays in the race, I imagine he'll take more from Biden yeah. than Trump. Well, I also he, think Biden's he's stay in. But Trump, Trump's voters are a lot you, you more also loyal, think, which is important. Yeah, you also think Biden what? B Biden's voters are not as loyal as Trump's voters. And so they're yeah. a lot more malleable in this race, is my view. Okay. Um, the media will ignore RFK Jr., big deficit for him. He doesn't have the money to spend on independent TV commercials and the media because they favor Trump. Uh, they favor Biden so um, intensely, they're not going to give RFK any, you're not going to see him. Um, they will black him out, I can guarantee it. Final question. Um, the betters, uh, you can't, it's not legal to bet on the presidential race in the USA, but you can bet on it in London. And they've got Trump almost two to one up now over Biden. Does that have any credibility to you? 
I mean, they were they were off on the 2020 election, so I think that undermined them a little bit. Trump okay. was a favorite among many betters in 2020 heading into the election, but I think it is it, it is certainly significant in that the people who are willing to put their money up on this, who are you know by all intents and purposes smart people who are tracking election trends, who are looking at the data are siding with Trump at this point in the race. I think Trump is in a stronger position than Biden right now. I think the media coverage for Biden is terrible about his age and his capacity. The special counsel report was very bad for him politically. I think he's in a really, really big hole. And you've got a lot of big Democratic names calling from the dropout now, whether it's Ezra Klein at the New York Times or you know other big progressive commentators saying he should step aside. He's not operating in a great political no, position. No, he has no momentum and at all. There's no doubt about it. He's he got nothing. No, yeah, right. I agree. He, he has got nothing for him. But uh, you know, Trump is Trump, so we'll see. Isaac, thanks very much. We really appreciate it. Uh, the website again: readtangle.com. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. You're listening to the NOSPA News Weekend Edition. All right. Now, I don't watch The View on ABC, even though I've appeared on it a dozen times. I don't really have time to do that. But we monitor that ABC News program. Remember, it comes under the ABC News banner. It's not an entertainment program. So we know the ladies. We know what their point of view is. And okay, again, I don't have any beef with that. <clears throat> if you want to watch The View, go ahead. It's all left-wing stuff all the time. So yesterday, Dr. Phil shows up on The View because he's got a new book, all right? And the book is called We've Got Issues, and it came out today, all right? So it, it were, it, it's his first day um, publication. And he goes on the show, and he knows, because Phil is a traditional guy, 
All right. The country's noble. Hard work and responsibility is what molds a worthwhile life. You know, Phil's message is fairly traditional. So he walks into the lion's den. Roll the tape. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group and they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Oh, those ladies didn't like that. Oh, no, no. And joining us now from New York City is the aforementioned Dr. Phil McGraw. You know him. 21 years on TV. You know, he and I have started pretty much the same time. I'm on Fox and he was on CBS um, in the national realm. He's written 10 New York Times bestsellers. He's got uh, nine more to go before he catches me. Had to put that in, uh, Phil. I had a, you know, a gratuitous comment. I had to do it. Ego out of control right here. You're looking at it. Anyway, the book is how you can. Uh, we've got issues. How you can stand strong for America's soul and sanity. So I'm looking at the book and you have a problem here. And I don't even know whether you know the problem in your book, but I want your comment on it. What you write is perfect for people who would reasonably consider it. Responsibility, hard work, love of country, love of family, respect of family, traditional down the line. But we live in a world now where a lot of people have made their own fantasy lives from social media, from the Internet. They don't live in the real world anymore. And therefore, those motivations that you write about are lost on millions and millions of people who live on this. This is what they live on. Did you consider that when you were writing the book? I did. And my hope is because I also exist on those devices that people check 352 times a day and YouTube and all of these devices that, you know, maybe I, I can get somebody's attention uh, that isn't a, a natural Dr. Phil follower or or fan, and I, I've, I've got to get people's attention some kind of way because look, I, I don't even, I don't even pretend or, or try uh, to think that those people are going to flock uh, to listen to me, but I don't make any mistake about it. I love this country. I, I love it enough to admit that it's got flaws and fallacies, but I, I love this country. I mean, I stand up when the flag goes by. I put my hand over my heart when they play the national anthem. Um, I love this country, but does it have problems? Of course it does, and I, I can admit that. But we've got to take the narrative back in America. We've got this, I call them tyranny of the friends, these activists that are pushing this these crazy, I, I think, wild uh, agendas. And I, I think if you have somebody that can't show you fact, can't show you science, uh, wants to rewrite history, uh, something's way out of whack. And, you know, you're the history expert around here. And you, we've got people that are wanting to pretend things didn't happen that happened. They're wanting sure. to rewrite things and, and tell our children how are, how are our children supposed to learn from mistakes we've made historically if they want to come in and woke wash history 
and take all of this out so the kids don't learn what happened at a different time. That, that not, to me, not only that the kids don't insane. learn, but the, the skew is that we're an evil country. But look, you were you were in the environment yesterday that enables these fringe players to gain power. So the national media in America now is 80 to 90 percent pushing the progressive agenda. That's what really has driven this so quickly and, and gotten into the woke equity, America's bad, we need to throw out everything zone because the media does not challenge that. How do you deal with that? Well, one of the ways you deal with it is what I did yesterday and I'll keep doing is I'll go into the lion's den and talk to them right there. You've done it when you've gone in and, and you, you call things as they are. I'm, I'll go in there and, you know, somebody in one of their real often used tricks is I'll say something and they'll say, so you're saying, no, you don't need to paraphrase me. We were both here. Uh, <laughs> did I say, did I say nobody, no children died from this? Uh, yeah, I did. Cause I'm stupid. Right. Of course I didn't say that. What I'm saying is this was a low risk group. We were able to keep open all essential services, including, uh, you know, grocery stores, first responders, hospitals, porn shops, uh, they, they kept crazy things open, but we're going to shut down the schools. And, you know, I, I hear them say, okay, look, we, we, we closed the schools here. And in 08, 09, when these smartphones came out, uh, it, it, something really started happening. We saw the biggest spike in anxiety, depression, loneliness, suicidal ideation, suicidality among young people that we have ever seen. And it continued getting worse from the time the smartphones came out, 08, 09, 10, 11, 12. It continued to get worse, the worst since they started keeping records. And they know this. And then so we, we see COVID hit in 2020 and they say, we're going to close the schools for a couple of weeks. I say, OK, that's fine. I get it. You need to get your bearings. But then when they said, all right, we're going to keep the schools closed for the rest of the year, and then they're going to keep them closed in the fall. I came out at the time and said, this is a really bad idea. We've got a mental health crisis among these young people, and you're going to close the schools, which is and their life. more isolated. Right. Now, why do you yeah. think you get pushback from the committed left? Why do the ladies of The View look askance? at your position? Because I think they believe and have bought into the fact that this is, uh, was at the time, uh, some kind of, of right mentality to shut everything down. They, they, they look at this virus as though, I guess it, it treats everybody the same. I don't think they should have shut the schools down. And I said so at the time, I said the, the treatment of these kids and the effects of the quarantine are going to create more problems for these kids than the virus ever will. And when I said that, everybody acted like I was some kind of crazy man, heretic, to say that. Now, when that actually came true, when it actually came true, uh, then everybody, no, I didn't get any calls saying, hey, we're sorry, we were wrong about that. You were right, you'll, we were you'll wrong. You'll never that, do, but you're prospering and Fauci 
I think is in uh, Molokai, Hawaii, uh, in the former <laughs> leper colony. He's out. So you won. Last question. Somebody buys the book and, you know, people don't read as much as they used to anymore. You got to really have a hook uh, to get them to buy your book. What is your hook? What will people learn when they read uh, You've Got Issues or We've Got Issues, I should say? That is a great question. And here's the thing. I, I think people know what I'm saying is right. A lot of people know what I'm saying is right. They know that what is being pushed on them by these extreme activists is wrong, but they don't know the facts to use to push back. What they need are the talking points, the facts to push back, and I'm giving them the facts. I'm giving them the empirical data. Let me give you an example, and I, I'm not gonna roll on forever here. I'm gonna give you an example. They're using these trigger warnings in the universities where our coddled young people are being treated like they were some kind of uh, delicate flowers that can't be taught how to live in the real world. We've got the vast majority of universities using trigger warnings to alert these kids that, oh, something might come up that upsets you. Well, you know what? Trigger warnings don't work. Trigger warnings actually create the very thing that they're alerting kids could right, happen, anxiety, which is right. create anxiety, right. uh, panic attacks, whatever. They actually create what they're warning against. Now, the research, which is very, I mean, it's a big body of literature here that says they don't work. In fact, they say they're counterproductive because what you wanna do with people that are sensitive to that, it's teach them coping skills. Use systematic desensitization, dialectical behavior therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, whatever, so they learn to cope with this stuff so they're not paralyzed by it. They're doing exactly what you're not supposed to do. Now, here's the thing, Bill. These universities, are they have access to the same literature that I have access to, which is that this is the wrong thing to do. They but they care. continue to do it because <laughs> they're virtue signaling. Yeah, because, they're right. virtue signaling. They're woke and they're virtue signaling. All right, the book is We've Got Issues. Doc, we appreciate you. Welcome anytime on the program and uh, keep fighting a good fight. All right. Hey, thanks for what you do. Keep doing it, my friend. See you later. Thank you. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises, and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer.
Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. This is the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Okay, so an interesting part of this case has been underreported, but not by um, Just the News, which is an internet operation, and I hope you're familiar with it. That's John Solomon. I've been on his show. He's been on my show. and So apparently, uh, Fani uh, sent Nathan to the White House twice, and maybe Fani herself went to the White House. So what's that all about? Press has ignored it to- uh, totally, but Jessa News uh, has filed a Freedom of Information Act to find out what that was all about. And John Solomon joins us now from Washington, D.C. So I have that right? Is that what you did? You, you did. We filed a lawsuit this week with the help of the America First Legal uh, nonprofit law firm. And our goal is to get all communications between Fannie Willis's oh. office and the White House regarding this prosecution. And the reason we have, uh, there's strong reason to believe that there were these White House contacts. Why? Because there are billing records uh, where Nathan Wade and his team bill for two meetings, one apparently in Washington at the White House, one uh, in Augusta, Georgia, right, where where the Masters golf course is often held. Uh, And um, there is no explanation for what it is. And then in a ancillary court hearing, they revealed that there were at least two documents of communications between the Biden White House and Fannie Willis regarding the case. So uh, we put a Freedom of Information Act request in. They came back and said, we don't have anything. And we said, well, you said in court you had something. You have billing records. So we're going to court now to force the disclosure of these records. And it's important because this fact pattern that we have here is still a little vague. But if we can get to the document, it matches exactly what happened in the Jack Smith case. If you remember about a year ago, I think you, Bill and I, we talked about this. There is a moment where the Biden White House counsel tells the uh, National Archives, sick the FBI on Donald Trump over these classified documents. There's a very specific memo says, please give the evidence to the FBI. That initiates the FBI investigation that ultimately becomes the Jack Smith prosecutor. In all my years in Washington, I can't remember a time where a sitting White House, a sitting president, Uh, asked the federal agency to go report their chief political rival to the FBI to get an investigation started. So we already have that in fact and evidence, and now we've got these unusual White House contacts with a local prosecutor pursuing their chief political rival. Okay. The White House, as you know, keeps logs of everybody who comes in and who they they visit and how long they stay. Is that part of the FOIA request? Because then you could get Nathan, you know, was he there? Who did he see? The Biden White House makes those logs available publicly. The, the names do not show up. So the assumption we have is that these meetings were not in the White House, 
They could be outside the White House. Clearly, a meeting in Augusta, Georgia is a long way from the White House. So the operating assumption we have from the facts that we have in evidence right now is that maybe these meetings were off campus somewhere where okay. the uh, so Secret Service logs do not cover We them. don't know if right. anybody from Fonnie Willis's office actually went into the White House, but the guy right. billed the state of Georgia for a trip to D.C., but how did we get White House out of that? Did he say I met with White yep. House officials? Yeah, it's marked as a White House meeting. That's what it's marked wow. as. And then there's a separate one uh, as a meeting in um, Augusta, Georgia. So we're with trying White to House pursue officials both of there. With White yes, House. Yes, he uses the term White House. Yeah, he uses really? the term White House. So that wasn't we'll find out what that means. That wasn't but very smart of him. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Well, he, after watching him on the stand, there's a lot of indiscretions that this man is going to be answering for, I think. Yeah. One of the most important things is that in a court uh, 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 question and answer moment, they do acknowledge that they have two documents from the Biden White House. They didn't describe them further other than to say that there are two documents that came or were derived from the Biden White House. That's part of our lawsuit. We want those documents. We want anything having to do with setting up these meetings, what was discussed in the meeting, what the sure. follow-up with the Why meeting Why would is. a low-level le low guy like that be meeting yeah. with a White House official about what? So yeah. that's a big story. And, of course, I don't know of anybody but you that's really aggressively pursuing it, right? Not no yet. Other, no. I hope others follow us. I don't think Fox News has done it. Um, and oh. that, bring, that brings me to Fatima Graves. Now, I told Ted Cruz and a bunch of other senators and congresspeople yeah. that the wife of Matthew Graves, the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., who was in charge of Hunter Biden's initial investigation and wouldn't take it, wouldn't do anything about it, has gone to the White House more than 20 times. Now, from my investigation, yeah. some of that had to do with Kamala Harris. Because right. apparently Fatima Graves uh, is a buddy of, of Kamala Harris, but she went there and we don't know why. Why would the right. wife of a U.S. attorney involved in the Hunter Biden investigation go over to the White House more than 20 times? So I'd like you guys to get on that story. We are. Uh, after we talked earlier this week, I've got two reporters now on that. We have some Freedom of Information Act requests we've sent to the Justice Department. FOIA, a White House is exempt from FOIA, but we're working through the logs to see what other things happened around the time of these meetings, to see if there's uh, some uh, uh, topical meetings that are going on. Is it Hunter Biden? Does Hunter Biden's lawyers come in around the time? We are deep in a dive on that, and we will stay on that. That is a All great right. lead that we got from you, Bill. I appreciate that, uh, John. I wish I could do it, but I don't have the staff that you have, and I'm not in D.C. Last question. How long does it usually take for the FOIA requests to be adjudicated finally? How long does it take? In federal court, it can be years. I have FOIA still pending from 18 to 19 that I'm litigating right now. Wow. Uh, in state law, like Georgia, Georgia is a very favorable open records law. And so we could theoretically see a resolution to this in the next three to six months, certainly before the election and probably before the summer. We feel very optimistic that we can get initial information discovery and the original documents out. Uh, that may result in more FOIAs, more discovery, but uh, we think this will be wrapped up by the summer. All right, John. Thanks very much. We appreciate it. Keep us posted on all fronts. And thanks Will do, Bill. Thank you. You're listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. I worked local news for, oh, I don't know, let's see, seven years before I went national. And the two best stations I was at was WCVB in Boston 
and we talked to Phil Balboni, who now is our foreign news partner, last week, and WCBS-TV, owned and operated by CBS in New York City. And my news director there was a man named Steve Cohen, who joins us now from San Diego. And I got your book. All right. Thank you. I Thank got you, your book, 50 Years Good. in a Newsroom. And you look it, by the way, a eulogy, <laughs> a eulogy. Yeah. Is, it, is it is local news dead? Is it over? No, it's not. It's not dead. But the but the books about the, the newsrooms that you and I grew up in and you and I knew and those newsrooms were um, not mainstream newsrooms. You know, we, there was no mainstream. We created what news was to be you and me and John Tesh and a whole bunch of people that are that are now a generation of television news. And the reason that local news, I think, today needs a eulogy is let's remember what we were and perhaps we could get back to it that's the problem uh you know the reason those numbers that you just read are so low is because you go from station to station there's usually seven stations that do news now in a market they do about six to seven hours a day seven days a week is they're all the same mainstream yeah, media has taken right. over right but but it's all about money now for them it's not about winning you know when I was working for you at Channel 2. The big kahunas were Channel 4 in New York, WNBC and WABC Channel 7. It was a fierce brawl to beat them in the ratings because you got overnight ratings every night. And we really were, you know, pushing it to be better than they were, more aggressive, better stories. All of that. that doesn't count anymore. All they want to do is make money. So if you're number three or number four, ah, and I think that's why the quality has dropped. I think I think some of it's uh, some of it's about income for sure, and it's because the guys that own these big organizations there's only like three or four. You know, you got Tegnus and Claire, uh, Nextstar, Byron Allen's in the game now. They all have the same zeitgeist. They all believe the same things, and therefore the kind of journalism we did. And when we competed in New York, it was dog eat dog to get the best story. We didn't believe in official sources. We didn't trust anybody. We were skeptical of everything, including ourselves. We had wars in the newsroom over ideas and what we should cover. The newsrooms today are quiet places, Bill. They're, they're, a, place of whis they're a place of whispers and people using their thumbs instead of their intellect. If there is, in fact, any intellect extant in the newsrooms of America today, everybody's they're scared. They don't want to get fired. Now, at WCBS, when I was there <clears throat> with you, there wasn't any ideology. OK, right. you didn't bring that at all. It was get the story and get it right. right. And God help you if you don't get it right. Um, you know, the anchor man, Jim Jensen, will lay you out. OK, right. and I never even do not one time did I think about ideology when I was working at Channel 2. But there was an incident, and I'm sure you remember, where I asked Governor Hugh Carey, a Democrat, a very tough question about his poll numbers being driven down by his wife. Um, I remember. And I got marched in <laughs> to the general manager's office with you. And I looked at him and he goes, and he got a call from Bill Paley, the guy That's who right. ran CBS. 
saying, get this punk O'Reilly under control. Do you remember that? I do. I remember it very well. And I, and you know, I had, I was very fortunate to have some history with William Paley, the chairman who sort of took a liking to me and got to know me. But I remember that meeting and I remember both of us sort of being quiet, but we didn't back down is my memory that we did not back down, that both of us stood shoulder to shoulder and said, look, this is legitimate. And we were back, and as far as I remember, the GM backed us, did he not? You know, he, he, his heart wasn't in it. It was a guy named Ed Joyce who got uh-huh. promoted to CBS Dan Rather National News and hired me to right. go there. But that was a snake pit. That was yes. ideology. That was... I was so different than local. So I I bet my audience would like to know what a pain in the neck I was to manage way back then. I was ridiculous, right? Well, I think, yeah, you are. But the truth is that it's the other (laughs) difference between newsrooms is that you have to be firm, but you have to embrace people that are who they are. And what you brought to the newsroom was, one, you had a sense of humor. Right. So no matter how tough you were, you had a sense of humor. And second, you had a philosophy about what should be covered and what shouldn't. Well, that makes you hard to manage. Guess what? Tough. If you're in charge of a newsroom, you want people who are unique. You want people who are one of a kind. You demand people to be unique and different. We had uh, folks like Vic Miles and, uh, you know, and, and that were so, so unique and, and different yeah, in, in the way ever. they did. Warner, Warner, Warner Wolf in Warner sports Wolf. who invented right. who invented modern modern sports casting. You know, Tesh was on the, was was leaving to to uh, to seek his dreams in entertainment. Uh, everyone had something else that was compelling, and they were passionate about it. And even the anchors, who were as you grew up to be, even more obtuse and even more crazy, right? Uh, <laughs> but you know well, what? You had to find your voice, Bill. You had to find your voice. And all I tried to do, and in my 50 years as a news director, tried to do is let people find their voice. Because we and need you were the, the best. multiplicity of houses. Yeah, I say that. You were the best. The book is 50 Years, a Newsroom, a Eulogy. Uh, you want to know about local news? Steve Cohen is the man. And it's good to see you, Steve. Stay well. Thank you, and Bill. I, I can't thank you enough for what you did for my career. I really appreciate that. And you, nice. and, you embracing, and you embracing our friendship has meant so much. Take care, my friend. Okay. This is the No Spin News Weekend Edition. We were celebrating Black History Month, but I didn't do it on the air. And when I mean we were celebrating it, I did a lot of research. And I put a lot of the research in it in confronting the presidents about black history. Because that had a profound effect on our presidents. Um, so I wanted to get somebody in, <clears throat> talk about Black History Month. And then the president of ABC News, an African-American woman, called Trump a racist. So then I said, hey, get Jason Whitlock in here. And we talked to him last night. Go. In your life, what event or events on the black history front do you feel were most important for you? The most important black history moment for me is my mother and father and their commitment to me and my brother. And and my parents divorced when I was about five years old. My brother was about eight. Uh, 
but both of my parents stayed very involved in our lives. We lived with my mom uh, for most of my childhood and then my senior high school, I went to live with my dad. And so the history that I'm most thankful for is that I had two parents that committed uh, to investing and in developing me and disciplining me and holding me accountable. Black history to me isn't reduced to a color. I'm, I'm thankful to the founding fathers for writing a Declaration of Independence and a U.S. Constitution that led to uh, the inevitable demise of slavery. And so, and, and then all the people from Frederick Douglass to Richard Allen to all the abolitionists uh, to Abraham Lincoln, all the people that ended slavery and, and made America live up to the words promised in the Declaration of Independence and in the U.S. Constitution, that's what I think about when I think about black history. I think about what an incredible journey and what an incredible role those founding documents and the people black and white who made this country live up to the words in that founding document so, uh, are so, amazing. So you don't resent the fact that in the initial constitution in 1776, the founders didn't abolish slavery then. You don't resent that. I don't resent it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a pie in the sky or it's a, a fantasy that the country could have even gotten off the ground if that had been placed in the original U.S. Constitution. That's there would true. be no United States of America. Yeah, absolutely true. I think Thomas Jefferson and, and those guys were, were visionary enough to know that slavery globally and at home was going to have to die a, a slower death rather yeah. than an instant death. You're giving the Jefferson country was going to get off the ground. You're giving Jefferson too much credit. Um, and I'll, in my upcoming book, Confronting the Presidents, I'll explain his mindset. But you're absolutely 100% correct when you say there would not have been a United States because the Southern uh, colonies would never have signed on if that had been the abolition of slavery had been in the original Constitution, never in a million years. Now, I want to get uh, one thing in the news here. So on February 23rd, Donald Trump, as he is wont to do, was telling his people in a rally about the persecution directed at him. All right. He's very angry about it. And he makes it a central part of his presentation. Roll the tape. We've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts and they sell them for $19 a piece. It's pretty amazing. So Trump's point was that black people have been uh, historically unfairly treated in the criminal justice system. So they identify with what's happening to him, his point of view, his opinion. The president of ABC News, a woman of color, Kimberly Goodwin, writes a memo to all the ABC employees. I'm going to quote it. No matter what one's politics, the fact that a person running for president of the United States made these remarks, but also to a public crowd with so many black people present and that they stand with him is mind blowing, shocking. These remarks are as racist as they come, unquote, president of ABC News, Kimberly Goodwin. What's your reaction to that? You can't 
argue that George Floyd represents all of black America and his pain and his suffering uh, represents all of black America. We need to make statues because George Floyd is so important to black people. Well, George Floyd was a career criminal. There's just no way around that. He was high on drugs when he died. Uh, he was in the process of trying to pass counterfeit $20 bills. He was resisting police. If, if you as a black person and the left can argue that George Floyd is representative of black people's struggle and cry for justice, how can you argue that? And then when Trump says, well, dang, man, I'm being persecuted by the criminal justice system and black people are relating to it. He's just doing the exact same thing that you're doing. And, and so, so you didn't, you she's didn't a hypocrite, think, she's a phony. You didn't think there was anything racist about what Trump said? Uh, no. Because okay. <laughs> I didn't, but all. I'm not, a, I'm not. I didn't either. I uh, I didn't. I looked at it five times, and I go, I'm not seeing what's racist here, uh, but I'm not um, a person of color, and I'm I'm not really qualified to speak for them. Uh, yes, you are. Well, maybe yes, so, but are. I don't like to yeah, do yeah, that. Yes, I, I I don't because I your experience <laughs> and my experience <laughs> are different. But what really troubled me. Here's what really troubled me is the president of ABC News saying that they can't cover Trump fairly. She called him a racist. It's a gimmick and they need to cut it out. And people need Bill. I, I got to say this and because it's been part of my messaging for 2024. White people got to man up and quit apologizing for being white and quit playing the left's game of, oh, I can't talk about this because I don't have your experience. These different shades of color don't make us have different experiences. I know some poor white people that grew up poor just like I did. They faced unfairness. They had obstacles they had to overcome. They, they, their parents divorced or were never married or any of that. People have far more in common than they do apart. All right, Jason, good. We cover what I wanted to cover. Uh, thank you for helping us out, as always. I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, you can catch Jason on The Blaze uh, with Beck and all the uh, crew. And um, we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Thank you. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a gem from the No Spin News Vault. All right, let's go to the media. Glenn Beck and The Blaze, okay? So Beck, his outfit, uh, keeps a close eye on the Fox News channel. I don't. I, I really no reason for me to do that. I mean, I, once in a while, I'll cruise by there. But to me, it's a different company than when I worked there for more than 20 years. They paid me handsomely. I did my job. 
I'm glad I'm not there any longer. That was one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, how it's evolved out of that. So I don't really mess around with them. So, But Beck does. So Beck's people uh, uncovered a charitable thing. That's pretty interesting. So if you give money to a charity and you work at Fox News, the company will match up to $1,000 in donations. Okay, so if you give Big Brothers 5000 then FNC will pop you another $1,000 check. That's 6000 altogether. That's how that works. Anyway, the charities that are approved by the company are listed. Okay, so you know, like you can't give the charity money to your girlfriend, okay, so that, or boyfriend. Now, three of the charities are the Satanic Temple, I'm not kidding around, Planned Parenthood, and the arch leftist Southern Poverty Law Center. They are on the approved list, or were, okay? So Beck breaks the story. Whereupon it's picked up by Newsmax and Eric Boley, who does the 8 o'clock program at prime time. And he invites uh, the late Roger Ailes' widow on to talk about it. Now, you may remember that Roger Ailes ran Fox News and built it into the most powerful news agency in the world. Okay, he died a few years ago. Roll the tape. This is just a betrayal of the Fox News core audience that he had sought to serve for so long. And it's an example of how the Murdochs have decided that they will give us all these reasons why this is okay. And they will seek to have a triumph of reason over instinct. And all of us know that devil worship, gender affirming care, you name it, some of the themes of these organizations that are available to match the donations they are all, they are evildoers. Okay. So, uh, joining us now from Boca Raton, Florida, where he's uh, getting tanner by the second, is the aforementioned Eric Bowling. So, I don't know. I mean, right after you ran your uh, segment, Fox News took the satanic temple off the list, right? Do I have that right? Yep, 100%. We, I spoke to Beck on Friday night. By Sunday, they had removed the Satanic Temple as one of the matching, uh, one of the qualified uh, groups. I won't say charities, I'll say groups that they were willing to match up to $1,000 of employee donations. Um, you know, they didn't take Planned Parenthood off. I'm pretty sure they didn't. And I'm pretty sure they didn't take the Southern Poverty Law Center off either, but also interesting to know, well, let me just tell you, I, on yesterday's show, I had the founder of the Satanic Temple on, his name is Lucian Greaves, who said, uh, yeah, but you know, who cares, uh, you know, and I said, Lucian, you're wrong, there are qualified charities that would benefit from that money, frankly, I, I was having a hard time talking to him. I didn't think I should even be talking to someone who represented satanic worship, and that's what they're all about. Um, yeah, Franklin Graham, I'll give you one, Bill. Franklin Graham advertises on Fox News. You see it every night. That wasn't one of the qualified charities, but the satanic temple was. All right. Now, do you ask Fox News for a, uh, a plot, reply or something? So did Beck, and they, they didn't reply to you or Beck. Is that correct? 
Well, Beck did. You know, we didn't. We didn't. Well, ask no, no. Him. Did you ask Fox News for a comment? No, I asked Beck if he asked Fox News for a comment. Okay, so, so they didn't reply I, to I Beck. Him. But obviously, this got into uh, the public, and so they removed the Satanic Temple, and the devil must be mad. Now, there's a rumor floating around that it was Greg Gutfeld donating to the Satanic Temple. Was that true? I couldn't. I can't confirm or deny that. I, I, you know, so. That's a joke. <laughs> That, that's a joke, Media Matters. We're making fun of Gutfeld. He makes fun of everybody. We can do that. So I don't think there's anybody at, at Fox News who would donate to the Satanic Temple. I could be wrong, but I don't know. But the fact that it's on there, that it's actually in print, is just so absurd. I can't believe it. What it demonstrates to me is it's really nobody in charge, nobody paying attention. Can't be. There just can't be anybody paying attention to this. Come on, Bill. I mean, the company's... They, uh, last year, they had a Pride Month. They had a big logo on their screens, and they were constantly talking about, let's celebrate Pride Month. And it wasn't so, I don't know, embraced this year, so they stopped doing it. The, the board seems to be pushing into a more woke uh, agenda, a more woke um, editorial, because when you do that, you open up your audience to, to a bigger audience. You, you can go grab some MSNBC audience uh, viewers or, or CNN viewers because you're, you're not just seen as a center-right. I mean, Beth Ailes said it perfectly. Roger Ailes founded, he brought Fox News to prominence under God, family, country, and in that order. And it seems like Fox News has lost at least some of that narrative. Well, certainly not as traditional as it was under uh, Mr. Ailes. But, you know, look, Fox News remains number one because it is the only um, major, and Newsmax is coming up. Your program has added a lot of viewers since Tucker Carlson left FNC. Um, but they offer still a traditional approach. As long as you have Hannity and Laura Ingram, Waters now at 8 o'clock, I mean, these people are traditional conservative people. And... FNC has not interfered with them at all. Where they do, I understand, interfere is during the day programming. And that kind of like different. But I wouldn't say that they're on a massive jihad to get MSNBC viewers bowling. I don't think they're trying well, what, to do what, well, then what would be the what would be the purpose of they don't of, they don't care. See, it's a different thing when you and I were when you and I were there, they cared. I mean, yeah, because it was a structure. Can, you know, Let's let's talk about uh, promoting the Satanic Temple. We we get well, our ass they didn't up promote it. They weren't promoting the Satanic Temple. It was just there. How and they gave, say they're not promoting they gave them it, money. Though, they would match. They would make a donation, dollar for dollar matching donation to the I, Satanic look, Temple. Let me that explain like to you. Let me explain to you why I believe that happened. So when you and I were there, there was a structure of management with professional journalists. Okay. Right down the list. They all covered news stories. They had been around uh, for a while. They were experienced people. The news gathering operation was fairly smooth. The news came in. Guys like you and me analyzed what came in. And then behind the scenes, there, weren't any, there wasn't anybody. I mean, really. I mean, I did a lot of matching over there uh, because I, my foundation gives a lot of money to charity. And they were always fine. They signed the checks. And it was always to the children's or the veterans' charities and all that. But now, the people behind, the diversity people, they've taken a much, much larger role. 
in that corporation. Right. And that's what's going on. Why, though? Why? Well, it's where the management, the ownership wants it. They want well, it that okay, way. Now. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I was giving it more, I was actually giving more slack. I was cutting them more slack by giving them the, the business end of it. Like, oh, hey, they, they're looking for a bigger audience. So they're, they're, they're not, widening. I, the, the they know they're not going to get, they're you're, not going to get CNN or MSNBC viewers. No, they want to lure back the viewers that they've lost. I mean, at eight o'clock, they're, they're down, we're at my uh, slot. Down about 50 percent of what it used to do. So they're trying to get those people who have fled for one reason or another. All right. Back. But I don't think the satanic temple donation program is the way to do it. But, you know, maybe there are a lot of evildoers who, who, you know, have Nielsen diaries. Yeah. I, well, I, perhaps. I, I mean, I, I interviewed the, this, this guy, Lucian Greaves, yesterday, and I, I literally on air said to him, I, I, don't even, I don't even feel comfortable talking to you. I, I, it was, the guy's got one black eye, one white eye, and he, he's the... These guys like, are all if loons. If, if, if you mean, had an yeah, idea of what yeah. the devil would look like, it would right. look like him. But, but again, Bill, I'm like, okay, fine. I, I, I just believe that their business model has evolved because... Maybe Rupert Rogers gone. Rupert Murdoch may be taking a lesser role. Maybe the sons are taking a larger role. They may be more liberal, more inclusive, more, yeah, more yeah. into diversity. And that's I think that's what's happening. But I'm also pointing it out because the audience that you developed, Bill, and that I kind of tried to hold while I was there, it's a different makeup. It's a different demographic now than, than what there is. There is no more demographic. About. 25 to 54 gone. Totally gone. Um, let's talk about newsbacks. Um, you guys are facing what FNC faced with the voting machines, two lawsuits against Newsmax. Um, but you're not directly involved with any of that, correct? I wasn't here. No, I was. Okay, I came so you weren't there. The so yeah. that may impact Newsmax if, if they settle or Newsmax settles or they lose in court and there's a big judgment against the network. And... Fox had this big war chest, uh, thanks to me, and I appreciate you pointing it out, of billions of dollars they could pay this off, but Newsmax does not. I'm a little bit worried there that the Dominion lawsuit is going to hurt the network. I'm not being coy with you. It just it happened prior to me coming here. You know, I see what 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 the the Dominion. But by the way. The Dominion settlement by Fox, $787 million. Uh, is that why Tucker got bounced right after? I, I I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they were thinking about fighting it and no one wanted Rupert up on the stand. I, I have no idea. I, I can't even go because I'm not even involved. I'm not, not even privy to the to, to the legal machinations at Newsmax. Okay. So, so, so basically, basically, at this point, there's two lawsuits pending against Newsmax. But you're not involved. You're not covering. You're not doing that, right? I'm not even looped in on on okay. the zeitgeist within the office. Uh, it's going to be interesting office. because I think the country needs Newsmax. Um, we've certainly we've certainly benefited. Like when, as you point out, first of all, you peaked. The, your your audience was the top tick on on the audience numbers for for Fox after you left. Tucker built some of what was lost by Fox News, built it back. Um, and, you know, I know Jesse's uh, a protege of yours. He's just not a Tucker, in my opinion. 
And they they lost from just from Tucker alone, they lost a million viewers in prime time on average. Jesse brought it back maybe half of that, maybe just a, a, a smidge north of that. But we certainly had no downdraft when this past week when Fox launched their, their new primetime lineup. No, no, I, I, I see the numbers every night uh, and Newsmax is on the rise, particularly your program, which is the highest rated show by far on it. Um, but the country needs um, Newsmax because there is such an imbalance and there is no greater illustration of that than the Biden financial story. Without mm -hmm. Fox News and Newsmax, nobody know about it. That's how frightening this is. Yeah, yeah they all want your, 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 your uh, talking points, your motto were spot on. Uh, Margaret Brennan is placed in, on, uh, you know, very high profile, important journalism, journalistic seat in, in Face the Nation moderator. And she's like, oh, let's move on. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You pull the threads. A journalist, like a, 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 a lawyer, a good lawyer, will start pulling the thread. So this the, the idea of impeaching, first of all, Margaret Brennan should have been pulling more threads, but, but the idea of impeaching uh, Biden makes sense because in the impeachment hearings, you lean on people, you you talk to people, you find out you have more leverage to talk it'll to open, people. It'll open some doors, but in order that, to make it legitimate to the American people and not a fiasco like the Trump stuff, which actually strengthened Trump, although it put him through hell, um, they've got to have this guy, Devin Archer, on Monday go in and say, I was there with Joe Biden, and he was talking to Hunter Biden about Burisma, Romania, China. He's got to say that. You don't have that, right. then you can't well, look bring what they're doing. You, you're, you're, you pointed out three years ago, three and a half years ago, the narrative around the, well, Biden himself was saying, I've never spoken to Hunter about That's his crazy. business. But he and gets away with sudden, it. He gets away Well, the goalpost keeps moving, and now it's, well, KJP saying, Joe's never been in business with Hunter. That's quite a far cry from, I've never spoken well, to Well, the combination of... This, which is a major, major story and a detriment to the Biden administration and his physical and mental uh, decline. I, I suggested to the White House that rather than get a shorter stairs bowling, you know, to walk into Air Force One, he should get one of those little elevator seats. You can buy those, you know, you just go, Ooh, you don't have to walk. You don't need steps. those. I, I see pictures of you scuba diving with Holly. No, I have. I have. Oh, is Holly okay? Is Holly all right? Because Holly's all right. She's racked out over here. She fell asleep. I, I see the, the hostage videos. I see. I blink twice, Holly, and, and sniff something. Make sure you're actually alive. Holly stuff. is our big marketer. I'll tell you that. All right, Bowling. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, continued success at Newsmax. And we'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank you, Bill. We'll see you okay. on my show too soon. Thank you for listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. To watch the full episodes of the No Spin News, visit BillOReilly.com and sign up to become a premium or concierge member. That's BillOReilly.com. Sign up and start watching today.